Welcome to the Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, in case you have forgotten because we've been gone for a month, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we will do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, we've got thoughts on the finale of White Lotus, The Night House, Marvel's What If, Suicide Squad, and much, much more. If uh, and more means centaur world on Netflix, uh, I'd like to be memory flashy thing, <laughs> all the men in black. Like right now. Look at the light, Justin. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> welcome back, and as always, this is our plea to rate and review us on the podcast app of your choice. I'm going to name them now. Apple Podcast App, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, and CastBox, or, you know, wherever. Just rate and review us. Do it, please. Those we haven't had one in, like... could be so old that there could be, like, new places to review We us. haven't had one in, like, two years, and we've met people in the last two weeks that tell us that they listen to our podcast, Just and they know us personally, so, awesome. you know... Just do it. Looking at you, please do it. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> what should we do? Should we tackle our new kind of shows first? Yeah, we should do that. Our first. new slash finale shows. Yeah, sure, uh, that works. White Lotus. It ended. We it talked did. about this last episode because it, we had just started watching it. You were going to say week. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a while. I was in Greece. It almost burned down. I escaped. Um, yeah, it's it's the beginning of the school year, and so I'm entering all kinds of new hires. So we haven't been here for a while. We're yeah. sorry, guys. Like going on, but we're happy to have you listening to us out there. Yeah, I think we'd listened to. I think we'd listened to. I think we'd seen about half of White Lotus yeah. when last we spoke. So, what did you think of the White Lotus finale? I guess we're going to go full spoilery because this has been now like a week. So, if you've not yeah. listened to White Lotus, watch. Listen to if you not watch White Lotus, um, it's the kind of show you don't. Super want spoiled, so just uh, you know, bail out. There is like one um, uh, awkward uh, fashion book, two um, uh, drugs in bags, three women um, who aren't actually going to start your business for you. Yes, uh, which <laughs> happens. Um, what did you think of the end of White Lotus? I really liked the show, man. I really thought it was great. I enjoyed what it had to say it makes me want to go back and watch i think it's belinda at dinner which is a mike uh, mike white wrote the screenplay but didn't direct it and oh, Be- i've beatrice. heard beatrice thank yes. you and i've heard that they talk to each other that okay. they have a lot in common and yeah. i know that the cast of beatrice at dinner is a cast that i was super interested in and i just never yeah. watched it um i loved this i if, if just to watch everyone being so good at what they do um, and I thought some of the ending was so poignant and smart and also heartbreaking. I, I loved this show and I, I get that maybe it wasn't super deep, but I thought it had a lot to say and it said it well and with an efficiency that really 
really impressed me. I thought it was really, really good. And I'm glad that I get to like Steve Zahn again. Right? What did you think, Justin? I mean, I, it's like I hope funny. that wasn't his penis, though. I never have, right, God forbid, like somebody help him. Um, I mean, I, it's funny. I've never disliked Steve Zahn, but it's nice to be like, oh, you were good and yeah. you should have been more of a thing. Yep. Um, man, he's so good in this show. Uh, it's, I loved it. Same thing. Um and I was worried about the finale because they had set up this kind of, you know, murder mystery-ish, I barely a mystery. loved that it so um, didn't matter. It didn't really matter. I just And that um, said something. Yeah. The fact that it didn't matter said something, too. Totally. Loved that. And I read a lot of stuff about the show that was basically like, oh, it, um, you know, sort of tried to decenter the kind of white cis male, like, narrative but it ultimately was like about that and i was kind of like no it it really was not and it was also about kind of the way the world works more than any i thought it was really about whatever character you identified with yeah you know that which it was so interesting and you're replaceable unless you're like you know that last shot of the lineup of the staff at the end is just perfect like Somebody has died that you kind of cared for and liked, but also had problems. And, and you but just keep going. You're replaceable at my, certain levels of things. I agree with you. Yeah. My favorite shot reaction was Daddario breaking and just saying, okay, I, I will be happy. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be. It was heartbreaking. It was, you know, her settling, and you just, your heart broke for her, but you also knew why she had done it. Yeah. Man, she nailed that line de- delivery. Yeah. Just, I, I would give her an Emmy for that line yeah. delivery alone. It was unbelievably good. And, and Tasha Rothwell being out of advice, like, all of this stuff was just... That was great, too. It was hard to watch and sort of predictable in a yep. way that dumbass life is predictable. Yeah. Like you and knew like, she was ne- that wasn't yeah. that dream wasn't going to happen and you knew that she shouldn't count on it, but she also knew she shouldn't count on yeah. it and let herself believe it anyway. Yeah. And that was her reaction to Dario when she said I'm out of advice was just I also can't give myself any more advice. Yep. I can't care anymore and I can't make you care anymore because Fuck everyone, yep. and I'm going to go stand on a cliff and welcome more rich people. Right. And I cheered for Quinn when he ran off the plane. Right. I, Which I was, mean, uh, we should talk about that again. That was cliched, but I was happy for him that he had something that he tuned into finally. Well, and, and also I liked that it to me. Like when I watched it, I sort of had this thought, and then I read a really interesting interview with Mike White. At, like after I watched the finale, where he was like. Yeah, no, it's a fantasy, and the the person watching it was like, well, like a literal fantasy in the show, or like a fantasy in the a narrative view, way. Right. And he was kind of like, well, whatever you take it as. But I read it as like, he there was almost an indictment of his privilege, also to be able to like to run get off to into do that, that fantasy. Right. I agree. Um, and like people are like, oh, his parents would have come back and yanked him off the thing and it's but like, i heard yeah, mike white probably. answer to that that they don't let you back off the they wouldn't have let them oh wow. somebody said well, well after yeah. the the closing moment said they chase him back off the plane and he said in this day and age they don't let you back off the plane when you get on it is that true yeah okay so security wise yeah they yeah. wouldn't have been able they would have been like yeah no you need to sit down right right so yeah, yeah. i mean i thought it was a very thorough look at 
privilege, his own role in it, his own yep. also feeling like a gay man, sort of being like, I'm privileged, but I'm not as privileged, but I yep. also have privilege. It's like, it was very honest. And all of these interviews with him after the fact, I think one of the things that people have probably rightfully called out was that the Hawaiian characters get very kind of short shrifted and disappear right. quickly. Um, and he's been so honest about being like, yeah, I hear that. And that's, it's also, it's realistic. I thought this, it was yeah. super interesting that, that, you know, that Kai got totally screwed yeah. and you never saw a police even interview, uh, Jake Lacey's character, whose right. name I can Shane. Right. He, he killed someone yeah. and they don't even interview him. They don't even look at it, yep. you know, yep. and yet Kai got a the shit kicked out of him yeah. and you know arrested and at least fired even right. if he didn't get charged you know he's yeah. done right and that's saying something and yeah. yes they got short shrifted and I get that that's also part of the problem yeah but I do think it was part of the story right too, you know? totally yeah. yeah and I think he was very Mike White in all these interviews has been very clear about kind of like I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And this was created as a conversation piece. I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm happy to talk about it. And I'm happy to talk about my own limitations and what I see in it. There's something that's so refreshingly like... I'm happy to admit that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about in some things. And so I didn't try to pretend that I knew what I was talking about. He's not baiting anybody. It's very honest. No, I I think he's seen people be rich and awful. And so he was willing to say, look, I've seen people be rich and awful and I don't know what it's like on the other side of that so I'm going to indict the rich and awful people and then let's talk about it right because he honestly has a place in Hawaii and like has benefited from all of it and um, I thought that was interesting too because it's like he he sees himself in this in many different characters and it's good to question it like in a way that doesn't feel just like navel gazy or like woke rich or something or the performative woke Teenagers, (laughs) Teenagers, <laughs> totally. Um, Who were so good, but that, also so awful. What did you think of that ending with the two of them, where they sort of snuggle in bed? How did you read that scene? Because it's that they were both going to settle. That the, 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 settle. The, like the, they were both going to yeah, yeah and the, the girl other. that was going to go back and and as much as she pretended that she hated her family, she liked the comfort of it. Right, and so she was going to snuggle up to the friend and be like, "Hey, okay, I can still provide you something, and and you can make me feel woke." And the girl was like, "Oh, you're going to make me feel better that I." fuck this guy over and I'm going to forget that I fucked him over for the five seconds that I cared. And I also know that I amped him up to believe something that I could never follow through on right. and convinced him to do something that he never should have done and he never would have done without me. Right. But my privilege told me to tell him to to fight back in this way that wasn't correct. Yeah. And they were both just going back into their, look, we're both so smart and woke and but we're not going to do anything with it and it i thought is, it was brilliant to me like the best sharpened knives like satire yep. of all that sort yep. of world that i've seen on tv in a very long time i thought it was great um, i really enjoyed it yeah gonna be hard for me to I, like it's kind of the top of my list so far this year I it was great it so it much was so good are you excited for another season the fact that they're doing different cast, completely different cast, completely different location, yes. I think that they can, you, you want to go ahead and, you know, start a different story. Yeah, I'm yeah. interested in that. I'm interested in somebody's yeah 
I'm interested in anything that tries to pick apart this stuff. I think right. it's very fascinating, and I do think HBO has enough money that, and I think my if it's Mike White, he has enough talent that he's not going to turn in a script that he's not happy with. Right. So I, I, I'm so, hopeful. It's so specific to the point where it's like people talked about, like that was his wallpaper, and like right. he, it's like I just hope that it doesn't lean into too much like repeating the same beats because. This was so specific in a way that was fantastic. Maisie's got thoughts. Um, yeah, oh, I, don't I know like Maisie. Either, Maisie. Lots of dogs barking. Um, the rich right. dogs are barking. Should we move on to Nine Perfect Strangers, a somewhat simpatico show? Right. That also is very different. We should. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Nicole Kidman. Um, I know Maisie. Hi. No, I'm sorry. Um, Maisie. This is Nicole Kidman. This is Bobby Cannavale. This is um, who directed it? It's the Big Little Lies people. It's David E. Kelly is producing, e. and Kelly. Lee, it's based on a Leanne Moriarty yeah. book, same as Big Little Lies. Um, who else is in it? Uh, uh, McCarthy, Manny Jacinto. Yes, Manny uh, from our favorite uh, Good Place. Yes, lots of amazing. Michael people. Shannon. Yep. Uh, as we talk, Samara sure. Weaving, yes, one of my Samara favorites. From, she's um, freaking great. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about her a lot on Smilf. We love her. She's a girlfriend from the first season of The Shy, whose name I am forgetting, but we'll yeah. think of. We um, watched. I saw uh, one and a half, maybe you two saw episodes two. of this. You were you had started the third when I left. Oh, I so, guess I did see yeah. two. That's right. Maybe the third one is the one I spaced out on. It is it. yes. Um, and I guess when does it drop? Is it like every week? Is it's every Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. Okay. Um, this is a very, it's funny, so interesting this year with like White Lotus versus this. I mean, I think we can just say this is the bad version of White Lotus. Yes, I feel like we can say that. <laughs> Apparently the world might not say that, but um, yeah. It is. Uh, oh, Luke Evans. Luke Evans. It's a story about a bunch of like, you know, lost sort of nine strangers that are invited to this very magical I'm going to heal you island uh, run by Nicole Kidman doing the strangest Russian I don't know is it Russian I don't know yeah it's supposed to be Russian I don't even know that it's it's like I don't know what she's doing no it is supposed to be Russian it's terrible Tiffany Boone as Delilah yeah also from The Shy who is really good just great yeah oh Uh, Regina Hall oh my god forgot about Regina Hall yes so do you what? I don't know. I'm gonna let you go first because you you turned me on to this show. Well, I didn't. Me on in quotes. I said, had you watched it yet? I mean, it's getting all kinds of you know, it's buzz because they're desperately trying to make Big, Big Little Lies happen again, and so they said, oh, we have Moriarty and Kidman and Kelly. Let's put them all in a bowl and we'll put this on and make this happen. And this show is not good. This show does not know it's not good, and it doesn't... I don't think... You and I will quibble about this, but I don't think this show knows that it's camp. I think it's taking itself very seriously. I also think it is beautifully shot and incredibly well acted by most people who aren't Nicole Kidman and her wig (laughs) and her accent. And it's funny, and it certainly leaves itself on a cliffhanger, so you want to watch the next episode, but I'm going to forget this show the minute it's open. It's over. I'm going to watch every single fucking episode of this show. But I'm going to forget about it yesterday. What do you think? I, it is so stupid that I was laughing <laughs> so hard. It's like really like... So, and some they of the dig actors, their own graves, Justin! <laughs> some of the actors definitely know what they're in. Samara Weaving 
knows what the hell she's in. Luke Evans. And she's doing it in a very almost highbrow way. She is hilarious and great. It's so... These people know that they're in like a really terrible version of White Lotus, like some (laughs) of them. Um, But the plot is sort of like... Oh, is this going to be like... I kept wondering, like, is this going to get, like, sci-fi or supernatural? But I think it's just a dumb thriller. I mean, it's a thriller. It's not going to be sci-fi. Which I'm a little like, ugh, come on, you're not going to go all the way? Because it's very... It's so dumb that you want it to be that dumb, and it's not quite that dumb. You want it to be, like, devs. Yes. You know, in the either doing something else with it. It it has the stupidness of devs, so at least go that far, you know. It's basically the back pretentiousness of devs. When ABC was making Lost, it's like the follow up show that never took off but all star. Beautiful shots of yeah. fruits turning into smoothies. There are oh my god, the horror smoothies in this show. I mean they should have just called it horror smoothie. <laughs> Or smoothie from hell. I gotta tell you, <laughs> the first scene where they start handing out the smoothies after they've done the horror smoothie close-up, they hand the smoothies, and, and Parker's been watching maybe ten minutes with me, and he starts going, Drugs! It's drugs! They're giving you drugs, you moron! It's drugs! Yeah, it's, the smoothies shots are the best part. Nothing is subtle in this yeah, show. Nothing. It's, it's dumb. I might keep watching. I might keep watching with you if I can get Dave to watch it. I'll watch oh, it with Dave him. Dave should totally watch yeah, it. Yeah, it's... It's hilariously bad. Um, all right, we can move on. Reservoir Dogs, we both watched. Reservoir. Reservation Dogs? Oh, my God, I wrote Reservoir Dogs. It's funny, somebody just said this on Twitter that they can't say it or write it correctly, and I'm having the same thing. This is um, a director whose name I don't know, and I should, uh, who worked at an indigenous uh, Sundance Film Lab, met Taika Watiti, and they did uh, this show together. It is uh, set on a an Oklahoma, I believe, reservation. Yes, it's About Oklahoma. a bunch of kids that are sort of petty thieves um, that are also sweet and you know kind, but also are obsessed with Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. There's lots of very on-the-nose uh, homages to it. Um, we only watched one episode. What did you think of it? I liked it. I thought it was charming. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to watch the rest of it. I'll get there. I I thought it was great. I really had a nice time, uh, especially after Nine Perfect Strangers. So <laughs> it was certainly a show that was kinder and uh, like, like you cared about the characters more. And yeah, I liked it. I don't have a ton to say about it. Um, I liked that uh, when they had the the spirit walking uh, spirit guide show up, that yeah. he was just a guy. Yeah. I loved that. That was a great scene. <laughs> I thought that was great, and totally. I hope he comes back. What did you think? Um, I Okay, here's my thing. Sterling Harjo. Is the director. Yes. Yeah. Beautifully. Also, really well directed. Yes, so beautiful. that's glad we looked that up. These kids are so natural and so funny and so wonderful. Um, it, it's it got the, I don't know, Hunt for the Wilder People. I can't even remember if we talked about this. Taika Waititi's sort of tone where it's sort of like there's good stuff in it, but it's also very sitcom-y. Like this had that feeling in moments and also the Tarantino thing. I'm just like please, can we drop this? I get these kids are into this, but I also don't... I, it seems like a very just like, okay, like you just wanted that one shot of them walking like Reservoir Dogs in their, you know, suits or whatever, the black and white suits. I don't know. 
We'll see where it goes. I've actually heard from a number of people that were like, I, the pilot was like kind of whatever, and it gets really good. So I want to keep watching it. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, the kids are so good, and the stories are interesting. But um, yeah, it's the it's the Take YT thing where it's always like so jokey. It's the same thing I felt about um, the movie we watched with Scarlett Johansson. It just sort of kept like, it pulls back from anything real ever. I watched something with Scarlett Johansson. He directed the Nazi one with the kid. Oh, and the Jojo, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I did not I like know, that. We blocked that out. Um, we'll see. We'll keep going. I don't. It's not to me. Everybody's been like, it's amazing. I'm not there on the first episode, but I think it's interesting. Um, all right, should we move to the Night House, which we just saw? Sure, let's do that. Our first movie in a while. Um, this is the last. Was it the last movie we saw? Also, that terrible horror movie, or did we? Go no, something we saw else something else. But I don't yeah. Know uh, oh, Fast and Furious. Yes. That's what we saw. Um, <laughs> right. So Fast and Fever Dream. Fast and Fever Dream. Rebecca Hall stars in this ghost story. Yay! That's why we went about a woman grieving her husband's death, all while stuck in a house he designed. It's the kind of amazing house that somehow they seem to afford on her teacher's salary right. and his architect salary i there's a lot that's confusing this movie fanny what happened in this movie we're going full spoilers the night house did you like it and what happened can we go full spoilers <laughs> because i if if you're saying what happened and you want me to go full spoilers i don't know if i can do that <laughs> i can tell you what i think happened and what if i liked this movie till about the halfway mark and then i was sort of in until about the three quarters mark and then i was like yeah i'm out because you had a lot of really neat ideas like cool stuff that you'd looked up like somebody went online and like learned a lot of like cool supernatural things that they were into and they wanted to incorporate it into a movie but then they didn't want to actually commit to any of it they just wanted to allude to all of it so they did nothing at all with the plot so they had a great premise with no plot. Rebecca Hall is great. The girl from Barry is really good. Everybody, this is beautifully shot. I want to go live in that house. I mean, not the house that turns into people and kills you, but I want to go live in that, like, go visit that actual house. But this movie, if anything, just made me sad because it fucked it all up. Yeah, it really did. What'd you think? Same. I mean, it's you turned to me like... Well, whatever. After we got out, you're like, I was worried that you liked it. And it's like, <laughs> I was, I was so right there so with worried. you. Because it was the first, I was like, really scared. And there's yeah. something they do in this movie that we got to talk about that I loved where one of my, I got, I got a Nix this week. It's been a while. During the previews, we saw a preview for Maleficent, the new James Wan no, director uh, of. Malignant. Malignant, what I call it? Malicious. It's insane. You called it like Melissa Oh my god. Like, from- <laughs> I, all his movies are like terribly wearably. Like they're all <laughs> like um, what? Diabolical. That's not one, but it should be his next one, right? Uh, diabo- diabolical. Did he direct is, one called Diabolical? I don't know if he did, but Diabolical is a thing. Okay. He needs and to. Diabolique. S- and Diabolique. Stop. Yeah. Well, Diabolique's different. Yeah. That's the whole movie. But, but he needs to stop being like Terrablamus. Like. <laughs> Walla walla bing bang. Um, Yeah. So that movie that we saw the preview for had very terrible, obvious computer animated uh, blobs that are not scary. And nobody is scared when something computer animated and shapeshifty goes in the background while our main character is in the front. This movie had me hooked almost immediately at the first scare because 
It's something that somebody could see in a very real way. Right. Um, and like get, out of the corner of eye that you could... And not because of a special effect. I mean, it probably was a special effect, but the way it's presented was just... Yeah, it was of, a column that yeah. looked like the silhouette of a person that, yeah. that turned to look at you as you turned your head. It's, it was brilliant. It was, And the movie really plays on that and builds, and I was like, I'm scared. I don't know right? what's happening. And she's grieving and I'm uncomfortable, her dead husband, and, and you're like, where is this awesome ghost story going? There's like oh. creepy architecture plans, and he's built some weird other house and you're wondering what's happening is this a doorway to hell is there another dimension and like but you're at the same time like how does this get oh it's not gonna wrap up anything it's not going to ex- there was no walking and talking yeah this movie needed a walk and talk scene so bad and we got none of it and it's you can either be a very arty mood piece like remember even that dumb movie we saw about the woman like basically mourning her mom's dementia and she like ripped right. apart at the end right, 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 right. like not, it was that. a little boring not a great movie it was right. a little overhyped but that movie at least like was very committed to an emotional idea right. of like this woman is learning to like get over her fear of her mother's dementia and right. like like rip a new skin open or whatever right. like this movie was like had all these emotional beats about uh abuse which it Tagged on a demon, which right. is, and it actually sort was of, a demon. Yeah, like, sort of than, tagged on a demon, but also it was the guy. Yeah, but yeah. No, that wasn't a great message. No, not, not great. And just like it, if it had been weirder and more abstract, then great. But it was walking the line of like you said it. Wanted it both ways of like yeah. this is going to be an emotional thing about grief, and it could be like an art piece and get weird. Like, if it had just gone batshit crazy at the end, like a Nicolas right. Cage movie about going into hell and abstract, like, emotional symbolism, right. that would have been interesting. But it ends up kind of just being a conventional movie that doesn't make sense. Yes. And, like, yeah. And when she gets out of the shower, she grabs a towel, but then, the very like, 30 seconds later, she's in her nightgown. Her hair is half wet instead of dripping wet, and her nightgown is not sticking to her. She's not, like, pulling it on, like, trying... You next fake shower scenes. It really pissed me off. I, it was like, it. it should be, sta- it. and then like a minute later, her hair was more wet and there was like a water stain. was, they try, I really made me mad. I also did not enjoy, um, using Richard and Linda Thompson's amazing Calvary Cross, one of my favorite songs, to be a scare tactic. I did not appreciate that. I next using Richard and Linda Thompson for scare tactics. I love you so much. <laughs> That's a great song, by the way. Anybody who does not know that song, listen to it, and then don't go see Night House. Um, all right. I think, <laughs> I think we can move on, right? We can. Yeah. Uh, what else did you do? Uh, as we used to call it, we haven't said this in a while, we saw what you did there. What we did saw you do? what you did there. Okay, I'm going, I'm going to start with the big one that everybody's like wondering about what we thought about. Justin didn't watch this, and there's reasons Justin <laughs> didn't watch this, and I don't want Justin to watch this. So I took the hit, and I watched the soup, the, the comic book movie. I watched... 75% of Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The Suicide Squad. Not a squad. Suicide Squad. Not um, some Suicide Squad. The Here's Suicide Squad. what I'm going to say. The rats are delightful. Idris Elba is hot. I still love um, Margot Robbie. Viola Davis can do no wrong. This is a fine movie it has some emotional beats it was way better than anything i've ever watched Zack snyder do right um it had some interesting 
blowy up things. There was a really cool scene where Margot Robbie fought a bunch of people with a, a javelin, and instead of blood, it was like animated flowers and butterflies flying out of them, and that was kind of cool. And she say, and there's a really great scene where they're all going to come save her, and she's already saved herself, and she comes up behind them, and I loved that trope. But I'm. I'll watch the end of it at some point just so I watch the end of it and I want to see what happens to the rats. But I want to see what happens to the rats. That's the that's the story of <laughs> this movie. I care what happens to the rats right. in this movie more than anything else. How was um, the starfish monster fun? Are you there yet? That's fine. Okay. I really oh the shark's sweet. The shark's sweet. The shark Even is very sweet. Yeah, I know, like, but he his friends hungry. Yeah. He's very sweet, and there's a funny scene where they have to teach him what friends is, so he doesn't eat them in their sleep. <laughs> and I didn't even really know it was Sylvester Stallone until after. So yeah, it was it was fine. It was a fun blobby shark, yeah. and the starfish monster is yeah, it's a starfish monster. Yeah, I mean, I know starfishes are assholes and all that, and ha ha ha, I get it, but yeah, all I right. cared about the rats a lot. And it's disgustingly violent, and I should not watch Super it. Super violent, and you yeah. should definitely not watch it. All right. Um, I'm going back a ways now. Wow. Um, I yeah, saw this Zola. Was a while ago. We forgot to talk about this last yeah. time, right? I saw Zola. That's a thing that happened. Uh, it was supposed to be a way more critic buzzy than it was. And since I've seen it, I now understand why it wasn't. It was fine. Nicholas Braun was great. I love Nicholas Braun. Um, Riley Kehoe was good. And this is a this movie about a Twitter story. Yeah, a Twitter story, like a know. real story about the these two strippers that had this like crazy trip down where some of them may or may not have turned a bunch of tricks in a hotel room and there was a crazy Jamaican pimp. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We okay. all, Parker and I also went to see uh, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Which still is like the refrigerator magnet of movie titles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And the reason I want to talk about this is not because anything in the movie. The movie was fine. Antonio Bendas wears a weird wig and Ryan Reynolds makes some bad jokes and Samuel L. Jackson and Salma Hayek are funny. That's It's a, it's not a good movie. It's it's not. But it's Come fine. I, I'm not sorry I went to go see it. As we were walking in, this... No, Maisie didn't like the movie. <laughs> this me, she was maybe eight or nine year old girl was going in with. I assume they were her uncles because they were kind of joshing around with her. And they held the door for us, and she was so excited. She went bopping in, and as we were walking out, they walked out with us, and they held the door for us. They were very sweet. And as we were walking out, the little girl was coming out with her uncles, and she slammed her coke into the uh, trash can, and she turned around to her uncles, and she said, "That was." Tr- Rash. <laughs> As only the niece of gay uncles can do. It was the best. I don't think her uncles were gay. But, but And they, they turned to us and they're like, oh, we're sorry. And Parker and I were on the floor. And I just wanted to put my phone in her face and record her for this podcast for a soundbite of that was trash Stop. and she liked the first one and she was just broken hearted <laughs> that here she had waited all this time and this movie was awful and I love that little girl I know she's never listening but if you do call us that we, was trash we would You're like your full review we'd like to you to elaborate on Hitman's Wife yes, Bodyguard please. or whatever in a, other inappropriate movie your not gay uncles are taking you to exactly <laughs> okay I watched um, the first three episodes of Dr. Death 
um, which is a show based on a podcast with um, Joshua Jackson and Alec Baldwin and Christian Slater. Uh, Joshua Jackson has on a weird, like, jowly fat suit in the beginning, which is, Maisie agrees, it's very unsettling. But Baldwin and Slater play like buddy cop, like surgeon people. And at one point, Slater opens the door to Alec Baldwin and says, come in, it's opera night. It's delightful. It, yeah, for real? No, the two of them, the way they play off each it's... <laughs> I'm going to, I like, I would almost subscribe to whatever, like Peacock or whatever it is to watch the rest of this because these two being so, it's weird as hell and I don't know what's happening, but the two of them playing off each other is, should not work. It's so delightful. I don't know that I can do Baldwin anymore. I get you. I I totally understand in his weird, uh, I'm not actually a Larry or whatever the hell she is, her whole thing. Yeah. There's a whole thing going there, down there. But I am convinced that that I would be friends with Christian Slater. He seems cool. I, he seems like a cool yeah, guy. Sure. Like just, and he kind of knows who he is, and he's yeah. just sort of enjoying it. And as he gets older, he's enjoying it more. And I like that. And I dig Joshua Jackson. I think he's great. He's good. I feel I, like he's super underrated. He's. I, I really like him. And here he is playing this sort of like sociopathic villain. And you don't see him do that a lot. And I... Is this a, like, hardcore surgery? Yeah. Oh, no. It's not Not for for you. There's lots of blood. Yeah, it's not for you. Okay. uh, Revenge... It's called Dr. Death. It's like they didn't lie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, the whole... There's three seasons of the podcast so so far, and they're all about different doctors in different ways. Um, I've listened to all three seasons. The third season is midway through. When is someone going to make a next movie? That's what I want to know. It's like now all podcasts, Twitter, like where's the next movie? About two best friends who are incredibly charming and get super famous (laughs) and and everybody loves them and and leaves five-star reviews. really interesting happens except that they went to theaters and COVID to go see It's a discussion on emotions and grief (laughs) and, you know, the Bay Area is a character. Come on. It's all right there. Okay. I also, um, Leverage Redemption is back. I get to watch Leverage again and I don't even have to feel guilty about it because Timothy Hutton's not on it. So, I am so confused by leverage colon redemption. Yeah, okay. Do you know about leverage <laughs> at all? You told me uh, probably I on this love podcast. Leverage. It's it's a, like a social justice, like Robin Hood. The bad guys are the good guys, and they always do a heist, and they never lose. And, Is it fictional? Yeah, super okay. fictional. And they have great banter, and the you characters are really fun, and I love yeah. it so much. And it went off the air in 2012, and um, now it's back, and... Now that I have to not like Timothy Hutton anymore, he's, and I'm fine dated. with it, he probably raped a 14 year old girl when oh, he was in wow. his 20s. So, he's so off. yeah, my first love is gone. That's yeah. fine. I I believe women and moving yeah. on. But they have replaced him with Noah Wiley as as like that sort of character. Right. Right. Um, and they're back, and there's eight new episodes. It's on IMDb BT, uh, IMDb TV. Oh my god! The Is opening you subscribe to? No, it's no, free. Okay. The opening credits are awful, and the opening credits in the first show were like that kind of '70s talking over. You know, the rich and the powerful take what they want, and you know, we win, we steal it back for you. We provide leverage, and it's great. This is not that. You have to skip over the the credits, but I tour through all eight episodes of this of nice. the season Enjoyed i'm it. so happy to have it back i this is a really fun show i implore you to seek it out even 
we didn't know Timothy Hutton was awful, go back and watch the original series because everybody else that's in it is great. And Maisie is telling me what she thinks about it. Yeah. We love you, baby girl. She stepped on something today. She's not super happy. Her dad is very worried. Yes, but she's okay. Um, I watched the first episode of a documentary series that apparently is going to be about music in some way called uh, Woodstock 99. Yep. Me yeah. too. It should be subtitled, Fuck That Guy. <laughs> the promoter guy, fuck that guy. <laughs> who who would like you to then turn around and blame it all on Fred Durst, I guess. Right. Uh, Although Fred Durst is pretty terrible, too. Yeah, but. He, he was. But <laughs> And women's boobs. I mean, you're supposed to blame it on anything but him. Right, he, right. He flashed the, the flashy lighty thing at you. Right. And you're supposed to forget that right. he actually did that. Um, I so thought I- this was... So watchable. I really, it was fascinating. And I found it most interesting as a document of that turning point, which I don't think it's like we lived through this, so we didn't really see it in a way. Right. Of like the changing of the guard from like Nirvana to then like whatever Metallica and uh, then to Fred Durst, like that progression of like, like that was a thing that seemed to be like the thing that was happening in counterculture and MTV was like, Oh no, Britney Spears, uh, Backstreet Boys in sync. Like it was sort of the changing of the guard of MTV when MTV really was like, no, we're not in the business of like real music stuff. We're in the music, the business of like kids, which there's nothing wrong with. Right. And there's a scene where they're destroying the Backstreet Boys, like, like dolls that are on stage or whatever, like bashing their heads with a baseball bat. It was like, holy shit, this really ugly changing of the guard musically was like really toxic in a yep. way that I didn't, I mean, I sort of got it, but I didn't really understand like how, like, like all I could think when I watched this show was like, oh my God, these are future fucking January 6th. Like, yes. yeah, these are like the guys that grew yes, up. Yes, because Kid Rock, literally Kid Rock, yeah. who would have supported this, I believe supported the January yeah. 6th person, was out there you know, riling them up. It was, it definitely is. It was horrifying. I don't, I don't know that to me, they made a great case about that. I don't know. Like to me that ended and I was kind of like, okay, I mean, horrible shit happened and especially to women. And it was very underfunded and very underprotected, but I was sort of like, what's the, I I just didn't, it felt a little like we got a fire festival here thing, but not really. It didn't totally come together for me as a documentary. Um, That's just my, take on it but that's fine yeah i thought it was fascinating to watch i watched it yeah <laughs> um i went to see pig uh which is a surprisingly great movie uh it's this is nicholas cage and one of the wolf brothers i can't i think it's nat i can't remember anyway there's two wolf brothers i think this is nat that's in this and adam arkin and this is about nicholas cage it's also a study in grief nicholas cage is a chef from uh, portland whose wife has died so he's gone to total hermit into the woods where he lives with his truffle-seeking pig. His truffle-seeking pig is stolen, and so he goes back into the culinary world of Portland to try and find it, to get it back. This is actually a really good movie, and I I recommend it. And it's, there's no, like, shotgun blast to the face? No. It's not, it's really... No, there's, uh, um, there's some fight club, underground right. fight club thing, which okay. is real weird, but, um, but not awful. Yeah. Um, it is touching. It has one of the best uh, Proust's Madeleine moments I've ever seen on film. Like, there's Adam Arkin, there's a moment of, you know, 
I don't have to explain Proust Madeline to right. you, I assume. I mean, I know, um, but maybe... Right, viewers. okay, so Proust Madeline, there's a whole concept in philosophy and all of that where you eat a bite of food and it brings back very strong memories. Right. And with Proust, it was his mother's Madeleines and, and this whole theory that this think, idea that that taste can bring can flood back memories most and, famously demonstrated in Ratatouille when the snotty it, critic <laughs> exactly and this is a very similar yeah. moment but Adam Arkin's Proust Madeline I just I was blown away yeah um, I thought it was great I really enjoyed awesome. it I'll I check that out recommend it to anyone who it. wants to seek it out it's not a long movie I'm happy to see Nicolas Cage do shit that he is was, not just terrible he was whatever, good and he's you touching and you you for you remember that he's actually right. a decent actor yeah and i i thought it was really good i nice. really recommend it um i watched american horror stories make sure you put the s on the end of that because this is the spin-off of american horror story where it's every episode is its own encapsulated thing right um yeah i watched that it's a thing it doesn't go completely off the rails um, I don't understand Ryan Murphy's obsession with children of famous people. We got Kaya Gerber, Cindy Crawford's daughter. We've got Paris Jackson and uh, Noah Cyrus, yes, Miley's sister. I don't understand his obsession with these. Why he has to do this, and then he like has to make them hypersexual and, oh, and say, say yeah. you know. Were the, now, are these related to yes, the they previous are, stories? They're all related. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them are related to, like, they they live in the same world and okay. they, they refer to American Horror Story. Got it. Um, Does the shortened runtime make it, it a little more like, okay, I don't have to care too much. Yes, this and it soon. certainly helps in, like, you're sitting through an hour-long horror story. Right. It, it he. Ryan Murphy is much better in small doses. He does well 100%. when he's contained <laughs> yeah. uh, either by I'm telling a true story so I can't actually go bonkers. I'm actually sort of looking forward to true crime impe- impeachment or I'm sorry, American crime story impeachment because he has to stay contained. If right. you can contain him, he does a He's okay. I agree. And this yeah. is the same thing because he can't go too bonkers because he only has whatever, 42 minutes. Yeah. Fine. I yeah. I'm not going to tell you not to watch it, yeah. but you also don't yeah. go knocking people down to get there. Also, do gory for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Death of a Starlet podcast. This is we're going to go deep into movies. Fanny's mother should not have taken her to go see when she was not old enough to see them. Death of a Starlet podcast is. Uh, it's also Wondery who does Doctor Death. This is uh, kind of an M depth dig into Dorothy Stratton's murder. Dorothy Stratton's murder was famously uh, per, uh, dramatized in Bob Fosse's Star 80 with right. Eric Roberts and uh, Margot Hemingway, which was released, I believe, in 1983, with if you're doing, which, if you're doing the math, I was 11 and my mother took me to go see. <laughs> it's also the reason that I... God love you, Eric Roberts, because you are so fucking talented that... I was so traumatized by your portrayal of Peter Snyder or Paul Snyder that I could never see you in a way that wasn't at least 20% icky ever again. So you're a great actor. I'm really proud of you that this is what happened to you. I I can never watch you. This movie creeped me out badly. And uh, the podcast is interesting because I... I knew that Dorothy Stratton had been involved with Peter Bogdanovich. 
like just sort of tangentially. Um, and but this really went into it's been, a lot of the, the material that they used with his book on her on her killing and and how he blames right. his friend Hugh Hefner and and Hugh Hefner said that he had a stroke because of the way Bogdanovich uh, blamed him. So it was interesting because I it pulled up a bunch of stuff that I didn't know aside from being traumatized by seeing this movie when I was 11 years old. Um, I it's a good podcast. It's well done. Um, here's a creepy fact of the week that. I don't know if you knew. So, Dorothy Stratton was 20 years old when she died. She was engaged to Peter Bogdanovich, who at the time, I believe, was 49 years old. Ugh. That was 1980. In 1980, they had sent her young sister, Louise, who had been staying with Peter Bogdanovich and uh, Dorothy Stratton home so that she wouldn't hear about it until she landed. They, they knew she had died, and they, they, they shipped Louise home to Canada, where she was then told of her sister's death. She was 12. Oh, my God. In 1988, when she was 20 years old, and you can do the math, Peter Bogdanovich was eight years older than he had been there. Do you know who he married? Who? Louise Stratton. Oh, my God. They stayed married for like 12 years. Apparently, they all lived together in a house with the mom of Dorothy and Louise. So that's weird. Yeah, super creepy. That's what I learned that creeped me out. Peter Bogdanovich, you're it's a icky. Creep. Yeah. yeah, you're icky. That's yeah. just. Um, I also uh, listened to another Wondery podcast called The Devil's Candy, which made me like say, "Oh, this isn't a bridge version of that book that I never read." So I'm going to go read Devil's Candy, which is the book about the like catastrophic making of uh, Bonfire of the Vanities. Right, right. Because. Um, the Julie, I can't remember her last name, something with an S, was given full access. Uh, Brian De Palmer gave her full access to his set, and she was witness to all of it. I listened to this book. Fascinating. So good. Now, full disclosure, I worked for Brian De Palma, and I do not think fondly of him. So um, it was very interesting to see him portray to, to see this portrayal of him and know, oh, yeah, I remember that part. Finally, and, it's uh, sort of- yeah, yeah, because that Obama documentary definitely did not. Oh no! And this woman yeah. has an affection, and she gives him. You know, she is somewhat sympathetic toward yeah. him, but she's also doesn't necessarily cut him any breaks. Right. Um, I am sick and tired of hearing that the the uh, train scene in Untouchables was an homage to Battleship Pat- uh, Patinkin. I want you to sometime cue up that scene, scene and. Scene. It's a shot-for-shot ripoff. That's not what an homage means. It's not like referencing Battleship Patinkin. It's fucking ripping it off, people. Um, Anyway, it's a great book. And uh, she had done a a recent afterword that was updated, and I really enjoyed listening to it. And it was fascinating to hear... You know, all this. Tom Hanks comes out smelling like a friggin' rose even back then because he is a good guy. Melanie Griffith seems like a nice person, but also a little, little, yeah, totally, little off. Yeah, and Bruce Willis is a dick. Yeah. So (laughs) I've never read or seen Bonfire of the Vanities the whole way through. I've started both the film. I never read the book. Never made it through. I don't remember watching the movie. Yeah. Um. I at this point, I'm like, I kind of feel like I want to watch it now that I read this book, but we'll see what happened yeah anyway that's what i did this month nice it's been a month yes. so we had we had time to seize up do you have stuff i do oh. um i went to greece and so i don't have quite as much stuff because i was in greece fleeing, uh, fires. fleeing fires and poor greece man uh 
yeah, it's been a rough month for Greece, Haiti, friends there, uh, take care of yourselves, Afghanistan, like, there's a lot going on. But let's not go down that road. Let's yeah. talk about um, What If on Disney. Uh, this is the Marvel uh, animated show that sort of takes place in the time after uh, Loki, where the multiverse has opened up. That's sort of, I think, their excuse to sort of get into these alternate universe tales. The first one is, uh, what if, you know, Agent Carter, who was, uh, you know, the character from the first uh, Captain America movie, had her own series. What if she became the first super soldier? Apparently, what if she gets really buff? That's what happens and beats people (laughs) up. And of course, he gets um, uh, uh, Tony Stark or whatever, Howard Stark as his father, uh, battle armor because they couldn't let him also you know, not also beat up stuff in Peggy Carter's story. Um, it's very, I, I hate the animation in this so fucking much. And Devendra Hardawar, uh, come hang out on our podcast. Please do. I really like you. And every time you say something, I'm like, uh huh, you got it. He was like, yeah, the animation is that terrible new 3d animation. They're doing computer animation. They did it invincible. It ruined invincible. It's ruining this show. It, uh, is very stiff. There's uncanny Valley. Nothing moves. There's no fluidity to any of it. Every episode is the same kind of animation. So they, they were doing multiverses. So they could have done like, you know, that for one episode and the next one was totally hand-drawn and the next one was, like, stop-motion. But no, it's fucking Marvel, so everything is directed by the guy who's directed all the stunt scenes, apparently, for all the movies and could only work with very stiff animation. I hate the look of this show. It squandered potential. The second episode is what if Black Panther became Star-Lord? I mean, frankly... Yes, we'd much rather watch Chadwick Boseman than Chris Pratt be Star-Lord. Well, yeah. But it's all set within a half an hour. And it's basically like, it's just, it's funny. It's like, as we've watched these other Marvel shows from the past year, which, you know, yeah. we've, we've argued about and quibbled about, they, all three of those shows were the most like comic books we've seen because they were half-hour episodes that were, like, a piece of a story. Right. And built to something. This is, like, all... And I know the What If comics were like this. They crammed everything. But it's just... It's, to me, the pacing... It's so unsatisfying. I've only seen <laughs> two episodes. I was like, I love animation. I'm actually pretty bought into the MCU. Like, where did this go wrong? I'm just bummed out. It's with the animation that it went wrong, it sounds like. Yeah, and also the story beats. It's very perfunctory everything about it feels very just kind of like come on guys this should have been your chance to take real risks like yeah you've had three like pretty big hits that were kind of not safe but like live action you built really goodwill towards tv i guess they didn't know that they were going to be huge hits and like i think now if they made this and i think there's talk about a second season like just fucking loosen up here like this is where you're allowed to do it Make a weird anime one. Make a weird, like, charcoal sketch one. Like, have fun. Like, the comics themselves look different every, sometimes issue to fucking issue. And it's frustrating. But, like, that's the wonder of comics is, like, it looks and feels so different issue to issue. Anyways, rant over. Um, Pray Away. (laughs) Pray Away, speaking of good things that uh, Ryan Murphy has done, he produced this documentary um, about gay conversion therapy and people that were in it and escaped it. Uh, it is just like a really brisk hour and a half, like very moving. 
uh, talking to a lot of people who were in this uh, company, whatever organization called Exodus, which was like the big sort of organized uh, gay conversion thing. It doesn't get quite as into like, I don't know. It's funny. We've seen a lot of things like uh, I forget this came up in Facebook the other day when we saw miss the miseducation of the, Cameron post. Yeah. Like that one really was like felt rougher. This is sort of right. like, people that are really willing to fool themselves for power and whatever. And I think there are probably much worse things that this sort of feels like a little bit of the lighter version and more like the power structure version, but that's also a story worth telling, but there's something, there is something missing from it. Cause you're like, I've heard other things about what actually happened to these kids that this movie's not really tackling, but I think it's still worth seeing. It's also really about when, these people in these power positions that are sort of benefiting from this turn and have a change of heart. Um, And much like we talked about with uh, the cult thing, Nixium earlier this year, it's like, is it the moment that they realize that they can sort of sell their story or that the spotlight's going to be on them so they better change their story? Right. Or is there something that's truly a change of heart? And I don't know that the movie fully grapples with that in, in a similar way, but pray away Netflix. It's interesting. Um, Gotta talk about Centaur World. Ah, uh, holy shit. <laughs> like, so I just hung out with my friend Erin. Uh, she was talking about... Uh, I'm gonna change her name. It's not Erin. It's... Uh, anyways, she talked about enjoying some sort of, uh, so we say, uh, recreational fun stuff. And she believes she lost her uh, perfect pitch because she's basically like... A trained opera singer and is able to hear kind of like, oh, that's a G or whatever. She was worried about being able to not hear after a particularly intense experience. They're not illegal anymore. Yes. Um, <laughs> At least so not where we live. I was like, wow, that's the last thing I want to hear about, like, you know, expanding your mind and also having it break your brain. This is what Centaur World did to me, and I didn't do any drugs. <laughs> um, this show is somebody on shrooms basically destroying my uh, anything that was enjoyable about I'm the so idea. Sorry, of that. Um, it's all Josh Radner's fault. Oh my god! So this is about a horse in a like a Lord of the Rings. This is animated. Speaking of like somebody doing something different than animation, it does look very different. Um, in a kind of Lord of the Rings style, there's a you know young warrior and her horse. The horse is very valiant and whatever. The horse falls through some sort of portal in an action scene and winds up hanging out in a world where everybody's like a centaur, but not just horse people. It's like zebra people and giraffe people and most disturbingly, a robin bird person that... They all have special abilities. The Robin Bird's ability is to get buff and make a handsome face. Uh, this is... It's body-fucking horror. I... It... I... It's so... I... And, and it's like these characters are like... There's a giraffe that looks lobotomized for the <laughs> human <Shredder>. face. <laughs> that, that basically... It, you're like, is this... Is this is this is it brain damaged? Like what's happening? And then it just it keeps going. And what have to stop in <laughs> the next episode? Again, it's just like I'm a weird giraffe face with like a weird butt that I keep shaking at people. This show is. <laughs> Maisie thinks you're hurting me. 
<laughs> and this show was recommended to me because it was like, if you like Adventure Time. I'm like, yes, I do like Adventure Time. I do not like Centaur World. I don't want Centaur World in my face. I don't want it recommended to me. I don't want, I actually don't want to hear it. Like, just don't talk about it. I'm going to, like, don't put it in my, like, a Twitter. I need, like, when I, when I had to think that turned Donald Trump into cheeseburgers, I want the Centaur World block. I have now purged it. Stop it it is gone. Okay. Oh my god. I am moving on because I'm, I'm not only joking, I'm traumatized. Okay. I know, but I Okay, go please okay. I'm okay. Everything's fine. So I saw on the way back from Greece three well, one on the way, I mean I can't remember, it's all blur. I saw three movies on the plane. I have a long standing joke. In fact, I think it would be a great podcast is movies I saw on a plane because it always breaks your brain. Speaking of breaking your brain, you never can tell like if the movie was good or not. Usually if you started it and turbulence didn't like scare you enough that you spit your drink out all over the screen, it was a good movie. That's how I usually watch movies on a plane. I watched Riot and the Last Dragon, the Disney movie uh, that went to premiere access and was sort of buried. I liked this movie. It's super fun. Um, Aquafina is really fun and silly as this dragon. Um, she's like this silly, goofy dragon. There's like fun action scenes. It was fantastic. This is a fun movie. I don't know whether it was on a plane or whether it was pretty good, but I liked it. Also on a plane, U.S. United States versus Billy Holiday, a movie that everybody fucking trashed. It got the worst reviews in the world. Uh, Under Day is Billy Holiday. It's directed by Lee Daniels of Precious and. Uh, what's the show about the music industry empire that everybody made fun Maisie of? Maisie does not like Lee Daniels. Uh, Lee Daniels. Lee Daniels, kind of corny, but there's something so sincere and interesting about the way that he... It's kind of... I, people hated this movie because they were like, it feels very, like, you know, biopicy and, like, you know, black and white. I thought it was kind of dreamy and weird, and I thought the way that it handled kind of her drug use was very interesting and like not judgmental and how it was an escape from her own past but also a sort of window into music but none of it was ever like this is all she was or all she ever was this performance i believe she was did she win the oscar she was at least nominated she was nominated she She is fan-fucking-tastic this movie's worth seeing her singing is incredible i liked this movie way more than i thought i was going to finally i saw chaos walking Wow. Okay, so this movie is made for planes because I didn't hate it, but it is a fucking bad movie. Um, Tom Holland, Daisy Ridley, you have the chemistry of a wet wool sock and a Birkenstock. Like, it is, like, the least, um, I don't know. You're just like, why I'm supposed to be rooting for these two for anything? They're both good actors, but they just do not make sense in a movie together. I did not really understand what was happening in this. There are people that land on a planet and they manifest, only the men manifest their inner feelings, which can also then occasionally turn into actual physical things that can attack people. And there are women that are barely surviving because they're attacked by the men's feelings. It's sort of very much like set up to be like, like, oh, men need to learn to like not repress their feelings. But you're like, but men's feelings are killing you physically. So there's a bit of a, a muddle at the heart of this thing. Um, I know it's a book you series. You should read the book. Yeah. Um, the I movie, think you would actually like the book. The movie kind of 
boofed it, I think. But um, in a kind of funny way, I sort of enjoyed it. A swing and a miss. Yeah. There's also like a sweet queer story of, of some gay parents in it that I appreciated. Um, also, Tom, they're both good actors in their own movies. They were definitely in different movies. Mads is in Mads it. Mads is in it doing a totally different movie. This I movie love Mads. is kooky. Um, that's it. If you saw any of this stuff, we have a lot in there. A lot of good stuff, a lot of garbage. We will never speak of the CW world again. Um, you can talk the to what? us. If you, the CW world? I'm not saying the word. Oh, oh. Um, if you want to <laughs> talk about it, you can join us on the next podcast on Facebook. You can email it at emotions at gmail. Um, I'm at Ow. Justin Hartung on Twitter. Ow. I'm at... At Fanny V. Darling on Twitter, we, if I'm still alive. <laughs> we also Ow. have the next podcast on Twitter. Um, we will see you next time, hopefully sooner. Definitely sooner. Bye. Sorry.